My, what a truth. I think I can honestly say uh, from my heart, we're all family, right? We're all in the same struggle, all in the same battle. And I really think I can say that I need God now more in my Christian life than any other time since I've been saved. Uh, the reason is, I thank the Lord, I know more now than I did in 93 when I got converted. I'm responsible for more. And um, I want to finish well. But I want to run well right now, too. Amen. And um, uh, it's very apparent that there's many needs in the body as people are responding to the altar. And I always feel the freedom to do that. Uh, we come uh, to meet with God and to fellowship with one another. But I really believe that um, this sermon, that uh, it's going to be a two-part sermon. We'll take a pause from Colossians uh, this week and next week. Uh, I believe that what I'm going to deal with or what the Lord's going to deal with by the Spirit through the Scriptures is really, really the real issue of why, because we know that we have all we need in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But many times I don't appropriate what I have or don't want what I have. Uh, what I, what, and I have everything that I need. So I want you to take your Bibles this morning and Turn to Psalm 106, Psalm 106, and I'm going to preach on uh, the danger of complacency. You can see it there, keep out. Have you ever gone by a construction site and it says danger, uh, under construction, keep out? Well, we're all under construction. You're never going to arrive until you get out of this flesh and blood body and this sinful nature. So we're under construction, but complacency must stay out. It's a danger zone. And uh, just to be totally transparent with you, God has given me a warning. When I read my Bible, I look for a promise. I look for a command. I look for a warning. I look for a correction. God has given me a warning, and I think he has asked me to give our fellowship a warning about complacency, because it's a killer. It's a killer. Would you stand, please? Psalm 106, I'm going to read the first, I think, 15 verses. It's, there's 48 verses in the chapter, and I'm not going to read all that, but we'll reference most of it either this morning or tonight. The Bible says, praise the Lord, that's translated hallelujah, it's the only word that translates the same in every language. It's heavenly language. Everybody in heaven will say hallelujah. It says, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good, for his mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord or who can put into human vocabulary the acts of God? Nobody. Who can declare all his praise? Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Let me give you the New Testament translation. The person that's spirit-filled and walks with God all the time, and when he sins, he repents quickly and gets back into fellowship with God so he can continue to hear and heed all the time. It's continuous. Remember me, O Lord, verse 4, with the favor you have toward your people. O visit me with your salvation. 
He's not talking about really being saved the way we think about it, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Every one of them died. Then they believed his word and sang his praise. Verse 13, they soon forgot his works. This is what scares me. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. God, I pray this morning that, Lord, by the Spirit, that you would help us all, you would challenge us all. God, may we not approach this with a a defensive spirit. God, may the preacher today speak truth and brokenness and love and compassion just for the embitterment of the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that all the distractions would be put aside this morning. I pray against demonic activity that's in the heavenlies right now. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm thankful, Lord, the devil's been defeated by the cross. And Lord, may you work in every heart. Would you give us ears to hear the word? God, would you give us hearts that would be uh, flexible and open? God, may our hearts be found as fertile soil. May we receive the word with meekness that the way we think and our souls can be converted. And I give you praise and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing and you can be seated, please. This passage of Scripture really gives a narrative. It's the record of how God's people can so easily become complacent. And really lose our urgency and our passion for what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And from reading this psalm and studying, I I believe this is what happened to the children of Israel. This is the reason. This was the first step of missing the promised land. It would eventually lead to unbelief. And if there was ever a group, ever a generation of God's people that you would think that would stay in tune with God, it would be these people. I mean, they literally witnessed the the moving of God like nobody since has ever seen. 
There'll never be another generation to date in history that will see what this group saw. God do. I mean, they were there when the Red Sea was opened up. And they walked through and every one of the enemy was destroyed. They would go out of their uh, tents every morning. And this dew-like manna or bread, manna means what is it? They couldn't explain it. The Bible says it was angels' food. Every morning, there was just enough for that day. And they were instructed not to gather more than they needed. Or worms would get in and it would begin to rot. They watched as God would provide meat from heaven. God would lead them. It was God made it so simple. I'll give you a cloud during the day, a pillar of fire at night, and all I want you to do is believe me and walk with me. It's still that way. That's still the message. that They witnessed and experienced the power and the provisions of God like no other people. And listen to me, if there's ever been a church that's witnessed the moving of God, it's this church. We have great responsibility. I have great responsibility. Yet, they found themselves victims of what we call complacency. Complacency will lead a believer. I hope you'll listen carefully this morning and I hope you'll be back tonight. If you're not back tonight, it's probably a great indication how complacent you are. I'm going to tell the truth. Complacency will lead a believer to do things they thought they would never do and be in places they thought they would never be. And I'm convinced that complacency is the issue of this day and hour. See, a person does not just fall into unbelief like falling off a cliff. No, it starts with this deceptive decline in my fellowship with God called complacency. And if I don't deal with it as a Christian, I'll find myself in unbelief. And I believe what led to their unbelief was they got so complacent with God, who God was to them, and what God had done for them that they began to live. The Bible says they exceeded they, they, they sought out lust in the wilderness. In other words, they begin to live from their fleshly desires instead of what God had commanded them to do. And ladies and gentlemen, just for the record, so many churches over the years has, has, has experienced a, a great move of God. And then something happens. While I was away preaching this week, I met with a couple, had dinner with them late one night, and um, they said to me, what's wrong with our church? I mean, we, we, we used to be 
a lighthouse in our community. At one time, we didn't have buildings large enough to seat the people that would come to the services and to be involved. And now, Brother Tony, what's happened? Complacency. Because when you see what complacency really is from the Bible, let me just give you just a taste of tonight. They eventually sacrificed their kids to demons. I'm talking about the people of God. I'm not talking about the lost world. So complacency could be, it could be defined something like this. This is not complete, but it's just the way I think. It's becoming satisfied, and it leads a person to enjoy a state of comfort in their walk with God that results, now listen now, living on the past blessings of God instead of a fresh work of God in the present. People will give testimony, you know, back in the day, back when Back in the day, this is how it used to be back in the day. Listen, we can't go back in the day, but we can have today to really understand what this is talking about. And by the way, the more blessed you are, the more easy and tempted you are to get complacent. That's personally, and that's also church-wide. What are some what are some symptoms? I, I want to do a good job of introducing this. What are some symptoms of complacent? And I don't believe that anybody in the room desires to be complacent. I may be wrong, but I don't believe that. Some symptoms would be people begin to, and I found my own self and God's warned me. I, I begin to, 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 to lose my zeal and enthusiasm for the for the work of God. I mean, sometimes I think, dear God, I've been here 18 years. Can I not slow down? God said, no. I'm not asking you to work harder. I'm asking you to work smarter. And I'm asking you to abide in me and only do what I initiate by the Spirit. And I'll keep you refreshed. People begin to just lose their zeal and enthusiasm. Man, man, I've seen it. And you've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. People begin to get disconnected slowly from the church. Folks, listen, church is a big deal. This is not just something we do because it's Sunday. But people begin to get disconnected slowly and become inconsistent and then Missing church becomes easier and easier and you miss so much that you don't begin to miss it. Are you with me? And COVID got a lot of people in that mindset. And it produced complacency. You just get in a, you get in a rut spiritually. Anybody ever been there or are you there? Man, I'm, I'm waving at you because I'm, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I'm part of it. And I personally do not want to get satisfied and complacent and live in the past. But I want, to, I want to put my whole life in neutral. I don't want it to be in park or reverse. 
I want to put my life in neutral. I don't want to do that and just sit around and talk about the good old days. I mean, I can remember some. And we ought to reminisce. But ladies and gentlemen, God ought to be taking us further, not us living in the past. And God has given our church great opportunity. I want us to grow together, pray together, dream together, believe God together, step it up together. For the glory of God and expect and watch God do the amazing. Let me just show you several things from the passage about complacency. Number one, complacency hinders the working of God. If you'll study verses 4 through 6, you have to remember that the working of God is not this mystical work in the air. The working of God is... It's in me and it's in you. By the way, you are the work of God. I am the work of God. My body and your body is the Holy Spirit. So when I get complacent, I begin to hinder the working of God through me personally. It's pretty scary. He said, Lord, remember me, O Lord, with the favor that you had toward your people. So the psalmist is probably David. He's, he's crying out in prayer that, that God might once again favor his people because the favor had been lifted because of complacency. Can I just define for you the favor of God? And I'm just going to tell you, in the, so far the favor of God has been on this church. And when I define it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. The favor of God is when nobody can explain or take credit. Nobody can explain or take credit for what God is doing, except that it's a sovereign work of Almighty God where Jesus Christ is the only answer. Nobody could explain the Red Sea. Nobody could explain the manna. Nobody could explain the cloud and the pillar of fire. Nobody could explain the bread. Nobody can explain that this rock followed them, that there was water from the rock out in the wilderness. And the Bible says that rock was Christ. Amen. See, it's unexplainable. But it had been lifted. So complacency hinders, first of all, God's praise, the praise of God. See, a person that's complacent can't praise. That's why some of you sit there like a knot on the log during the praise time. And you don't engage. It's complacency. Dear God, does Jesus Christ live in you? If Jesus Christ lives in you, when we sing about him, something happens. Inwardly. And, and, and everybody's not as emotional as other people, but dear God, if Jesus Christ is in your heart, let him be on your face in church. God's praise is hindered. I'm just telling you, when you get complacent, you don't feel like praising. You don't want to praise because it's about me and it's about you. And listen, we we should praise him just because he's Lord. 
I mean, listen, ladies and gentlemen, who God is, is enough that God would even give us mercy and grace to know him is enough. Matter of fact, that's what you'll praise him for in heaven. I had a thought this morning. Can I just share this thought with y'all? I'm th- do you know that everybody's going to heaven? Just not everybody gets to stay. Yeah. The lost are going to the great white throne. Where do you think that's at? Everybody's going to see Jesus. But everybody's not staying. But we got enough to praise him about. Hey, should we not praise him because he's good? I mean, that was kind of the direction that God led the whole service last week. I mean, he's, he's good. Do you realize that if you have... If you have good health, you've got enough to praise God for for eternity. If you've got food, shelter, and clothing, and health, you're rich. We ought to praise him for that. But notice, secondly, God's presence is hindered. David would pray, oh, Lord, visit me with your salvation. He's not praying, God, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. That's not what he's praying at all. The, the writer is saying, when, when, when I get complacent that the, that the praise is hindered, then, then the presence of God in my personal life is stifled. It's hindered. He's praying, God, visit me with your presence like you did when I first come to know you. Can you go back to a place where you first come to know him? If you can't, you need to be saved. But he said, God, I want to know you like I did when I first got started. And I want y'all to hear me carefully. The presence of God is the most important element in this whole church. The most important member of Prospect Baptist Church is the Holy Spirit. The most mistreated member of the church is the Holy Spirit. I mean, many will come today and not talk to him. Won't shake his hand and grieve and hinder the Holy Ghost because of my complacency. And ladies and gentlemen, God has made this very, very clear to me. I thank God for what he's done in the past. I thank God for this facility. I thank God for the other facilities. I thank God for all the staff. I thank God for the, for the privilege to be here. But y'all hear me and hear me well. We can have the nicest of everything that we can build and construct. We can have the greatest children's program, the greatest nursery, the greatest student program, the greatest adult, uh, young adult ministry, the greatest adult ministry, the greatest preaching, the greatest music. But if we don't have the presence of God, it don't matter. We got to have God. We've got to have God. And it only comes through brokenness and spirit-filled living. It doesn't come through complacency and digging your heels in and saying, bless God, this is my life. No, it's not. Not if you've repented. This is the warning God's given me. If God's not active and welcome, 
We've just had another meeting. Thirdly, his power's hindered. Oh my. He says in verse five, I'm just reading the Bible to you. He said that I might see the benefit of your chosen ones that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation that I may glory with your inheritance. He's saying, God, I want to see the power of God do a great work in our midst. I got a timeout, timeout. Y'all lean in. That's this. Who wants to see the power of God work? Balcony folks, who wants to see the power of God work? I believe you do. Complacency kills it. It's not that God's not sovereign. But complacency kills the power of God. And when the church gets satisfied and complacent, God doesn't work. Because God will not waste his presence and his power on a people. Or a person. Or a preacher. That will not allow him to be glorified. Because no flesh can glory in his presence. You, you do understand, and the Lord reminded me of this. It's the power of God that convicts people to be saved. I was preaching Wednesday night, and I told the pastor, I said, I'm going to preach on Bible salvation. He said, okay, and they looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. They thought I was literally from a different planet. Guess what? I am. This one old boy, he came in the back, and one of the deacons had invited him. He came up, and he said, I brought my brother tonight. And he said, I've been praying. He'd get saved. he just had open heart surgery, John, and he had his pillow with him. And he come in, and he sat down, and I preached out of Colossians what I preached here the week before. Because I always preach out what I've already preached here, except this. I did preach this there. And I preached about how God qualified us to be partakers, how that he takes a sinner out of the power of Satan and takes them out of the power of darkness and puts them into the kingdom of his dear son and puts Christ in that person, forgives every one of their sins by the blood of Jesus Christ, spiritually baptizes them, puts them in Christ, puts Christ in them, raises them from the dead, seats them in heavenly places, fills them with the Holy Ghost, but it has to come through faith and repentance. And I don't manipulate invitations. I'm done with that. If God can't get people to move, they're not going to move for the right reason. And I said, who in the room tonight really needs to be converted? And that old boy with just little strength. I saw him do this. I didn't ask him to raise hand, but he went... I said, sir, come to Jesus today. Come to, just come repent and believe. And they walked that man down the aisle and he got on his knees the best he could. You don't have to get on your knees to be saved, but you got to humble yourself. Amen. And he repented and believed on Christ. Cheyenne Elliott was his name. It's the power of God. God that convicts people. It's the power of God, listen, that draws people. 
Listen, it's the power of God that encourages and edifies people through the believer. But if I'm complacent, I'm only concerned about me and don't give a rip about anybody else. It encourages. Let me, let me read you this scripture that from the Amplified Bible that I so love. It's in Ephesians 3. It says, now to him, I want you to notice carefully the wording of it. Now to him who is able to carry out his purposes and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think and explains it infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. Notice the condition according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Throughout all generations, amen. But when I'm complacent, the power of God can't work through me. He's working on me. Notice with me secondly, quickly, complacency forgets the wonders of God. It hinders the working of God, but it forgets the wonders. I'm not going to read it for time, but 7 through 11. And the Bible says that they understood not the wonders of God. I mean, listen, after seeing all that they saw, they understood not. Let, let me, I'm going to have, I think it's on the screen for you. Here's how the original reads. The wonderful things God has done that are indescribably beyond human capability become commonplace and taken for granted. That's where I was headed. God, it's always going to be here. Prospect Baptist Church is always going to have the favor of God. Oh, no. Not if we buy into complacency. They forgot. And when the wonderful things of God become commonplace and cease to amaze us, we're complacent. God help us. God help us not to go there. Have you, have you lost your amazement? Let me tell you how I know we have. Can I help us today? I'm not condemning people. But when we sing together as a church, he's worthy of it all. And it doesn't move us. There's something wrong. You say, now wait a minute, preacher, you're trying to get us emotional. No, but you are an emotional being. Jesus was emotional. He wept. I'm trying to help us to understand that complacency, help, it, it, we, we forget. We really forget and take for granted the wonders of God. I mean, it, like it's no big deal any longer. And the Bible was clear that the people of God here understood not and forgot what God had done. They didn't, listen to this, oh God, please don't do this. They did not know until it was removed what they had lost.
be like all of a sudden at this place, the favor and the power and the presence of God is removed. And then we'd go to praying. No, we better be praying now. We better be seeking God now. We got to be reminded, what, what did they forget? They forgot God's marvelous salvation. Now listen, hallelujah to this. Not to forget it, but to remember it. They forgot it. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake that he might make his mighty power known. You remember the story. Here's what happened. They were slaves in Egypt. And they started, started having babies. Amen. They started having babies and more people, so they upped the quota on the bricks that they were to build and make. And they were in such bondage, and God sent a deliverer, Moses, a typology of Jesus Christ, the one drawn out. That's what his name means. And God used that man. He had to prepare him for 40 years in the wilderness Amen. before he could use him. And we're in such a hurry. Because during those 40 years, a bush caught fire and he caught fire. And then God used him to go before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And he said, who's sending you? He said, I am that I am has sent me. Listen to me. If you've been converted, I am that I am has done something for you and in you that you cannot do. And he's delivered you from Egypt. But listen, complacency keeps me from going to the promised land. Marvelous salvation. I mean, when I stop and think, I was in my hometown this week and went by, I put it on social media, went by that little church that mom took me to every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I just sat in the parking lot and wept and said, God, I thank you for a godly mama that took me to church when I didn't want to go. And listen, some of you got kids that don't want to go. Keep bringing them. They'll, they'll get it one day. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from them. I just stopped there and took a photo and said, God, thank you for a mama that brought me to the church. I went by my dad's graveside. I didn't talk to him because he's not there. But I just remembered the legacy that dad's left, left me, and I want to leave it to somebody else. But listen, this is all because of Jesus Christ. Nothing can be pulled off in life worth anything apart from him. He's delivered us. He got me out of Egypt, but I want to go to the promised land. I don't want to live in complacency in the wilderness. Are y'all with me? We've forgotten. Good gracious, may we never forget God's amazing, miraculous grace that rescued you. It'd be a good practice for you just to go back in your mind right now to where you were and what happened. When God reached down and got you, you said, man, I wasn't that bad a person. He still had to reach down. They forgot. See, complacency forgets this. And as I study this, I got to thinking, I wonder how God must feel with his people today. How does the Lord feel with all that's going on and all the deceptive delusion? of his son 
that people are making up. That's a lie. I mean, how would you feel if somebody lied about your kid? We've forgotten. God help us. They forgot the miraculous intervention. You remember the story? I'm paraphrasing. It's all there. You can read all 48 verses. So they finally, Pharaoh finally said yes for a season to let him go. He really didn't want to, but the sovereign, the Bible says that God sovereignly hardened his heart. You can figure that out in your theology however you want to, but I'm just going to tell you what God made him is what it means. Amen. He finally let him go for a season and they're out going to the wilderness and now we've got the enemy coming and we've got the people of God, the children of Israel, probably six million. Probably somewhere around six million people. And the Red Sea's there. They're going to be killed by Pharaoh and his army. And what did God say? Like always, I haven't changed. Believe me, do what I say. Moses, just go and put the feet and her staff in the Red Sea. The staff was symbolic of the power and the presence and provisions of God. Put it in the Red Sea. I wish I could have been there, but I'd probably got complacent with them. He put it in the Red Sea. It opened up. They all went through. The Bible says on dry ground. Dry ground. There wasn't anything wet on the ground. Dry ground. And when they got through, Pharaoh and all of his people came. That drowned every one of them. Liberal people in their theology have made this statement. I think it's even a greater miracle when when they show their stupidity. Liberal people would say, well, you know, the Red Sea at that time was not at harvest time. It wasn't in the overflowing banks. It was only, you know, four to six inches. What a great miracle that God would drown that many people in six inches of water. (laughs) I'm just going to say something to you. Liberals are stupid. (laughs) They don't have any biblical sense, but they don't have any common sense. By the way, I'm not a liberal. Are you hearing me? I'm a conservative, Bible-believing preacher of the gospel of Christ, and I'm going to believe the Bible. I don't care. Listen, I don't care who it offends or what it does. I'm going to believe the Word of God. It's all we got, the Spirit of God and each other. Yes, amen. Get gloves before you pick that up, Amen. <laughs> Boy, that's the first time some of y'all have laughed in church in years. I'm so grateful you have. Let, let me finish here. They forgot this mighty deliverance. And I just have to stop for a minute. Man, I've been delivered. Goodness gracious. Even if you don't have a sinful lifestyle of the past, you've been delivered. I wish I could, John, I wish I could have been saved like you were at a young age. And not got into all that I got into. But you've been delivered just as much as I've been delivered. 
Listen, it takes a miracle of God to deliver a child just as much as it takes a miracle of God to deliver a sinner that's bound in the gut pits of hell. It's all grace. And we've been delivered. But are we in the promised land? Are you in between Egypt and the promised land? Promised land is not heaven. It's the spirit-filled life. Complacency is in the middle from when you got saved and not living the spirit-filled life. That's complacency. Here's what I want to do to close. Or to pause until tonight. How many of you would, with me, be honest enough to say, man, I find myself in complacency. And I do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's most of us, all of us, could we gather at this altar as a church and cry out like the psalmist did, oh God, would you visit us once again with your salvation, with your favor that your people can rejoice. There may be people in the room that you need to be saved, people in the room that need to join the church. We're going to baptize one. That person can go ahead during the invitation time. Can we stand to our feet? I'm going to pray. And let's come to the altar. Let's, let's repent this morning of complacency that we don't hinder the work of God and that we don't forget. God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we give you praise. Thank you for your word and thank you for these folks. Lord, we as a church, we just need to humble ourselves. God, I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to get there, stay there, Lord. Lord, would you visit us with your presence and your power? God, would you do in this place, in our in individual hearts, Father, what only you can do, Lord, if there's people here that are lost, God, would you draw them this morning to be saved? God, if there's people that need to unite with this church, God, would you draw them uh, to be members? But God, would you work on every one of us in this area of complacency? Lord, I don't want to live in the past. I want a fresh work right now in the present. In Jesus' name, amen. Do business with the Lord.